You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Charlie Smith, the editor of Vancouver. Charlie, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks, Karen. And you? Doing very well, despite Mercury being in retrograde, Charlie. We're still managing here, so all is well here on The Morning Buzz. But, Charlie, we got so much to talk about. So, first off, the Conservatives, they're gathering in Quebec for a policy convention. You know, this is a time especially when the Conservatives are riding high in the polls. So, sort of, what is the purpose of this convention, uh, Charlie? Well, if they're talking about it as being a policy convention, I think it's a Pierre Poilier's makeover convention, <laughs> because really what uh, the, what he has to do, because these policy conventions can actually create problems for conservative leaders when the members decide they want to do things that is that are not popular with the country in terms of advancing policies. And, and this created problems in the past when, for Aaron O'Toole, for instance, when the, the the party wouldn't support the concept of, you know, human beings uh, causing climate change or contributing to climate change. So it's always risky when conservatives get together uh, because issues like abortion will come forward, issues like uh, how some of them want to deal with the trans community and also the climate. So I think the goal for Poiliev is... uh, He's in the process of rebranding. What's interesting about this is, you know, in politics, and Ronald Reagan was was president of the United States, did this very well. They like to present the leader, and John Horgan is another one in B.C. They like to have the leader do all the good news announcements and then have lieutenants deal with the bad news. And then that way the general is protected. You can always replace a lieutenant. Kualiev's problem was, for many years, he was the lieutenant, the bad mm-hmm. lieutenant, you know. And he would come forward and attack the liberals on behalf of Stephen Harper, on behalf of former conservative leaders, and he was the attack dog. Um, David Eby has a similar problem, too, because he was the attack dog for many years. And then suddenly you become leader, and people remember you as the attack dog, and they think, I don't like this guy. He's not very nice. <laughs> He's always saying mean things. And so the conservatives are trying to rebrand him, you know, with these expensive ad campaign, showing him with his family. He's a family man. He's a nice guy. And they have to develop new attack dogs, who will be the lieutenants, because the lieutenants can easily be replaced, but you can't replace the general. So that's the big picture of what's going on here. And... But I'm not sure that even though the conservatives are riding high in the polls now, and they're in excellent shape, um, the challenge that they're going to face is there are all these clips from the past uh, on the Internet of Pierre Poiliev being the attack dog. And once Canadians see that on a daily basis in an election campaign, they may not like him very much. And so I think the conservatives are doing this preemptive strike right now, and and it may work. But that's one of the challenges when you've been in politics for a long time and then suddenly you rise to become the leader, especially if you were the caucus of backdog, which which Poliev was. And so I think the same issues, perhaps to a lesser degree, but may dog David Eby here in B.C. And... um, 
they're both trying to become the general rather than the lieutenant. And that's, I always enjoy watching this process unfold. Yeah, that's very interesting because you're you're not going to forget about that history. And actually, Charlie, I didn't know about Pierre Polyev that he's been like a career politician. Like this has kind of been the only job he's done. I think he was like 24 years old when he first started out. So I didn't know that about him. But yeah, let's see. I mean, the thing is, Charlie, 2025 is still such a long way. So we're going to have to see sort of what happens here. Um, I think one of the things I'm kind of interested to see is because we know that one of the biggest issues, I think, for a lot of Canadians is climate change. And historically, the Conservative Party, they tend to put that issue under the rug. So do you think that's something that could potentially hurt the party down the line? Yeah, I think this is the, the big problem that the Conservatives have because they're also pandering to their Alberta and Saskatchewan base where the party is the strongest. But that issue of the climate, I think, has uh, really... Ryan Mulroney managed to transcend that when he was the conservative leader because he had some credibility on environmental issues. And, and one of the people working for his environment minister in those days was Elizabeth May, who went to the Green Party. But he would go to the Rio Convention, and, and Ryan Mulroney would do some some more liberal things, like he didn't go along with Margaret Thatcher with regard to um, uh, South Africa, that he, he adopted the progressive policy. He was more progressive on environment, and then he won this massive, he won two majorities. Um, the Conservatives uh, have only won one majority since then, in, you know, since 1988, so longer than many voters have been alive. Wow. And I think part of the reason is the climate. And this is going to be a problem. The other problem that the conservatives are going to face is all the people who don't like the conservatives and don't like them, how they, their position on the climate may coalesce around the liberals as the best option to stop the conservatives. And that's always a problem that the NDP faces is they think they can do okay, but then people who might feel pretty good about the NDP end up voting liberal in many writings because they feel that's the only way to stop the conservatives. So even though Polyev is quite high in the polls right now, I still think there's a long way to go until the election. Yeah, still a long way. So only time will tell, Charlie. Now, another story, Charlie, moving here to uh, B.C. Uh, the B.C. government isn't holding back when it comes to warnings about the drought the province is experiencing. Of course, you know, due to the lack of rain and water, we've had a very uh, difficult wildfire season throughout the summer. But now there's cause for a new concern as we head into the fall season. Flooding could be an issue. So, for Char- uh, Charlie, for the B.C. government, why was it important to you know, put this notice out there? I think uh, Bowen Ma is doing her best. She's the Minister of Emergency Management and Climate Readiness to help British Columbians understand what's unfolding. And so she had this jam of a a soundbite where she says, it's the sleeping giant of a natural disaster that we are challenged with right now. Um, and, And the drought is challenging because the rainfall patterns are changing. You get uh, more intense bursts of rain and um, precipitation and then long dry periods. Um, but also the it's complicated because you've also got what's going on over the Pacific Ocean. And there's El Nino, which is the warmer, and then La Nina, which is uh, the, the cooler 
um, currents. And when it's a La Nina year, um, that can sometimes lead to more heavier uh, precipitation events. Um, so we'll see where where things go. But um, she said in 2021, we saw the beginnings of an extreme drought situation, but nothing close to what we see this year. And we were saved in 2021 by the atmospheric river, uh, which was sad because it came with massive heartache and problems and flooding and what happened in Abbotsford and, and, and Princeton and Merritt. It was just a disaster. But um, the, the issue is with El Nino right now, I'm not sure we're going to see that same um, magnitude of rainfall. And if that's the case, um, that's going to uh, make this drought situation worse going forward. Oh, it certainly will. And even, you know, Charlie, just thinking about it, the fact that we even have such warnings in place, this never used to be a thing, you know, years ago. Now, obviously, we see things are changing here. So, I mean, just the fact that these announcements are being made shows you, yeah, change is definitely happening here in our environment. But now, Charlie, I'm going to shift gears here. A little bit of a juicy story, a big one that everybody's talking about. Uh, Jimmy Fallon has been accused of a toxic work environment. This is coming from a report in Rolling Stones magazines. It followed an investigation which exposed damaging allegations from 16 of the TV's current and former staff. And, Charlie, this comes as a surprise, right? Because you think of Jimmy Fallon, this comedian, this fun guy, and suddenly to hear that he supposedly has a toxic work environment. I mean, Charlie, what do you make of this story? Well, I think when you get 16 people, current and former staff members, being willing to be interviewed on the record that... uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> That's my, my suspicion. Um, and, and I know you're getting the, the denials and the apologies and all of this, uh, and you'll see these third parties come forward to say this is, NBC's going to be in major uh, damage control mode, so we're going to see all these people endorsing what a great guy Jimmy Fallon is. But the people who work with him clearly have, have disagreed with that. I, I wonder... You know, are we dealing with uh, narcissism here and that uh, somebody who might be, um, you know, self-centered, egotistical and and having a star complex uh, and, and not treating the little people the way they, they should be treated? Um, there is this history where uh, he had some conflict when he was, and this was many, many years ago, and maybe we all have conflicts at work, but... Uh, with Amy Poehler, and this was covered in the in the book uh, by Tina Fey, that uh, Jimmy Fallon was trying to suggest that um, maybe Amy Poehler should cool down her comedy, and uh, was perceived by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler to be quite sexist. So we'll see. I think I think we're going to keep hearing more about it, whether it leads to something bigger um, remains to be seen. Uh, but, but when you get a story like this, it does generate a lot of page views on websites, which increases the appetite for publications like Rolling Stone and even the New York Times and the Washington Post to dig deeper. So we may not have heard the end of it. I don't think it's just going to be a one-week story.
Oh, no, it's not going to be. And I think just the fact that, you know, we see him as like, he's this really funny guy. He's lighthearted. And then you hear the story of what? He created a toxic environment. I think there's going to be a lot of conversations. A lot of stories are going to be put out there. So, yeah, let's see what happens. Charlie, all I'm saying is I would not want to be uh, Jimmy Fallon's PR person. That's it, because I don't know. He <laughs> <laughs> might, might make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Damage control is a lot of work. So perhaps they will make a lot of bank with this story. Charlie, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You have a wonderful Oh, good. My pleasure. Take care.